Real Talk with Grace Redman features conversations with fierce and fabulous people from Grace's community and circle who inspire others with their stories of overcoming challenges to create amazing. Grace is an entrepreneur and success coach who works with individuals to diminish their negative mental chatter, boost their confidence, achieve their goals, and increase their prosperity mindset. Get ready for a series of Anything Goes Conversations with remarkable men and women that will get you jazzed for life's unlimited possibilities of success, freedom, and fun. Welcome to Real Talk with Grace Redman. Grace Redman features conversations with fierce and fabulous people from Grace's community and circle who inspire others with their stories of overcoming challenges to create amazing. Grace is an entrepreneur and success coach who works with individuals to diminish their negative mental chatter, boost their confidence, achieve their goals, and increase their prosperity mindset. Get ready for a series of Anything Goes Conversations with remarkable men and women that will get you jazzed for life's unlimited possibilities of success, freedom, and fun. Welcome to Real Talk with Grace Redman. Hey, love. It's Grace Redman. Thank you so much for joining us today on Real Talk, where I get to have real and raw conversations with incredible people from my circles and communities. And today I am honored to have Luke Batari here with us. Luke lives in San Mateo. He's a graduate of Sarah High School, Tom Brady's alma mater. Luke was the quarterback for Sarah High School's award-winning football team in 2017 when they won the California State Championship. Luke was the Northern California Player of the Year, First Team All-State, and First Team All-Conference in 2019. Luke holds eight of 12 passing records at Sarah High School over Tom Brady. Luke currently is a student at the College of San Mateo, where he is the starting quarterback for the CSM Bulldogs. Luke is also the founder of a nonprofit organization called Play for Prevention that focuses on raising awareness for teen mental health and teen suicide. Luke, thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm super excited to chat with you. I'm looking forward to it as well. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So I remember, first of all, congratulations on your incredible accomplishments um, with at Sarah High School, with the football team. I tell you, you guys gave us some really incredible, amazing experiences and experiences I'll never forget. So I can only imagine what it must feel for you and, and the rest of the team. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I always tell people since that season happened that that was probably one of the greatest finishes to a year in my life. And that was definitely one of the greatest teams that I've ever been on. And I wasn't even on the team. I was just, you know, one of the moms. I mean, my son played with you. And the, the I can't even explain what it felt like, how it felt, how close we were as um, a Padre family, as the football team. And I always tell, uh, and I told you this morning, I tell Raymond, I'm like, thank you so much for giving us adults this experience of just um, passion, heart, grit. It, it was something that I've never experienced before. And I'll, I'll carry that with me for my lifetime. So thank you for that. Totally agree. I mean, yeah, I think, we, I mean, obviously that team accomplished a lot, but I think the most special part about it was 
not just the players were really close, but the whole community football team, like you said, the parents, the coaches, obviously the players. So I think that was the most special heart or the most special part was the relationships that were formed. I mean, those will definitely last a lifetime. Absolutely. And, and it's a, it's a beautiful brotherhood too. I always love when you guys did the haka at the end of the games, that was <laughs> like, like it just, it just smooths you. Those and, awesome. and, and you really, I mean, you're a very impressive young man. And what um, really touched me was, you know, during the really busy football season, when you're, you know, you're studying and practicing until seven, seven thirty at night that you stepped up and you created this, really needed nonprofit play for prevention. So tell me a little bit about what motivated you to do that. Yeah, so what motivated me to start that nonprofit, um, originally I had had some mental health struggles when I was super young, back to when I was eight years old. And that had to do with um, my parents' divorce. It was a really nasty divorce between uh, my mom and my dad. And that had some mental as well as some physical effects on me so that was number one mm-hmm. number two um i had a friend um pass away from suicide in april of that year leading up to our season and honestly it started out as an idea to honor her at one of our games and with two hours of conversation later it ended with i mean it became my mission and it became what it is today which is nonprofit. so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what really what inspired me were those two things. And then obviously, like within going through the whole process, since it has started, there's definitely been some added, you know, motivation and added, you know, mission to it. So that's been great. So, to, I mean, it's, it's an important subject as a teenager and as a young adult, I also experienced, um, which at that time, I didn't know what it was, but I experienced tremendous, um, dep- you know, I experienced depression, didn't even realize what it was. Um, there was a few times where I felt like, and, and I attempted to take my own life. It was really just a cry for attention. But one thing that I know, and I could be wrong, but in our communities and societies, we don't talk about mental health. And it's like, I know in my culture, when I was growing up, it was like a hush-hush. That was like something you never talked about. And the fact that you stepped up to bring it to the forefront, I think is, is really important. It's something that we really need to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, when I put it in perspective, you know, I was, I, I was, I, I was the man like in San Mateo, and I think, like you said, it w- it's still such a hush hush topic that nobody wants to talk about, and nobody, and everybody feels uncomfortable sharing how they really feel. You know, they kind of just put on this mask to show everybody that they're really that they're okay when they're really not, and I think. For me, I wanted to break down that wall that everybody puts up and show that, hey, you know, everybody goes through struggles, you know, can be physical, can be mental. And I think my whole goal with going out there and speaking on Friday nights, not to not just at Sarah, but at other schools around the area was to kind of, like I said earlier, break down the wall and show everybody that it's okay to talk about your struggles. You know, one thing I always say is it's okay not to be okay if that makes sense. Oh, 100%, 100%. And it's funny that you say that because in one of um, my blogs, I talk about that. Like, it's okay not to be okay. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you're less than because we're all human and there's no way that any one person can continuously be in a state of bliss and joy all the time. I agree, and, I agree. 
And I feel like when we go down into those dark, you know, that darkness, it's, it's telling us we, there's, we need, we need a change. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the greatest things I ever heard was everybody thinks that you're so strong for holding in your feelings. But I mean, nowadays, it's the strongest thing that you can do is actually share your feelings because everybody is so kept to themselves about it. I mean, I think just holding in your feelings is kind of taking the easy way out. Honestly, like if you're able to be public about your feelings and open up about who you are and, and what you're dealing with, I think that's one of the strongest things that you, that you can do. I totally agree. It's like being vulnerable. And I know Brene Brown, she's a famous um, speaker. She talks about that. And and it took me a long time to learn to be vulnerable and be okay with it because I also viewed it as a weakness because that's how I was conditioned growing up. Like you never talked about anything, but in reality, and when, like you said, you're stronger when you're vulnerable and you talk about, um, you know, feeling the depression and feeling the physical ailments. I feel like when we hold things in, it, it affects our physical um, health too. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, just for me, I can think about when I was a kid um, just the physical effects because I was already, already so mentally affected from my parents' divorce that I was holding so much stuff in that it would start to come out on the outside. Like I would have physical effects, like I'd be throwing up all the time and things like that. And that's, that's when my mom knew, cause I was too young to understand that it was time for me to like get help. And so what was the step that mom took? Um, I, she sent me to a therapist who I'm still really close with today. I don't see her anymore, but I think just going there and I felt super comfortable being there was great for me. Number one. And number two, I mean, obviously I talked about all the stuff that was giving me trouble and just being able to open up to someone that I trusted mm -hmm. felt like there was literally like a weight taken off my shoulders. Like, okay, like it's all good. Like all this stuff that I've been thinking, but haven't told anyone it's out there now to at least someone and they can help me. Yes, exactly. And I think that's the most important thing too, is to feel safe. To, to, I think a way to start being vulnerable is to go to someone that you feel safe with. I mean, I started therapy in secret when I was 19 years old and I saw the same lady for you know 25 years and it, it, and it definitely it helped. So what kind of advice would you give to someone who may be listening and wants support, but doesn't really know where to start? Where would you lead them? Like, what would you tell them? Um, what I would say is it doesn't have to be professional. Just lean on the people that are in your inner circle. You know, I mean, that can be anyone from your siblings to your close friends, your parents, cousins. I mean, whoever's in your inner circle, you want to lean on them because I if they, if you consider them your inner circle and your friends or family, whatever, I can guarantee you that they will be there to listen to your feelings, listen to your problems and try and help you through emotionally. You know, everybody thinks that when I say, or when you say, or when anyone says like, oh, you need to talk about your problems, that immediately means you need to go to therapy. Well, yes, that's a great step, but that doesn't necessarily always have to be the option, right? Like, we can feel healed if we're able to talk about our problems with just our inner peers. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So that's mm -hmm. one thing that I would say to start the process of opening up because ultimately you don't want to be sharing how you feel to somebody that you don't trust. And I think just like you said a little bit ago, it's important that we feel safe when we're talking about stuff that makes us feel uncomfortable. 
hundred percent. And I think that's, that's a big one. Like you said, it doesn't have to be therapy. It can be, like you said, just going to someone that you feel comfortable with someone that you trust. And just what I want to um, highlight, like you've been is for us to be vulnerable and share our feelings. If we're not feeling good, it's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. And I really want that to resonate to our audience and make that shift to, okay, we all are going to need help at some point in our life and it's okay not to be okay. And it's okay to share how we feel. Exactly. Exactly. And also, I mean, and we're all, we're always going to go through struggles. And I mean, I've been through many years of therapy. I'm, you know, a certified coach. I have all of these tools and there are still times where I do face, you know, that dark night. It's just natural you know, when you face your challenges now, what are some of the tools that you use to help you stay grounded or help you stay resourceful? Um, to help me stay grounded, number one, I'm very open about my problems to my people, but also, I mean, kind of the idea behind my whole nonprofit is everybody needs to find their play. And what that means is like, everybody needs to find their passion. Like, what drives you to get up every day and do what you do? What motivates you to do whatever you do? And that's what where the play for prevention comes from. You know, my play, my passion is football. And that's how the nonprofit was started. You know, we were going to raise suicide awareness or we were going to raise awareness for suicide through football games and through me speaking and stuff like that. But it doesn't have to be football. You know, it can be your job. It can be music. It can be any other sport. So that's one thing that I would say is just get lost in your passion, you know, mm -hmm. fall in love with the process of getting better at whatever it is that you do. You know, that was one thing for me, especially nowadays during the pandemic, like I know mental health has become like a huge issue with everything yes. going on in the world. And I just urge people to think about like, write it down, whatever, think about what drives you. And if you're ever feeling like down or having like dark days, whatever it is, just go get lost in that. You know, like within this past year, we didn't have football. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that it really sucked for me because I that's that's my passion. But I was able to get lost in other stuff that I love, like traveling. Mm -hmm. during the pandemic and just working out and being better at the stuff that I wouldn't really focus on football. So that's one thing that I would say is really find your passion and think about what makes you get up every morning and why you do what you do. Mm -hmm. And if you're ever feeling um, down, like go do that, go enjoy it, take your time, take time out of your day to go do it or a weekend or whatever. Mm -hmm. So what I heard you say is like when you start feeling kind of that um, feeling down, feeling that darkness is to shift your focus and pivot and focus on activities that bring you joy, whatever that might be. It could be traveling, um, you know, play, playing your sport, being with friends. So to shift your focus. And I mean, I know there are definitely instances where, um, there may be, you know, chemical imbalances and, and, you know, at that point people are challenged and they may need to, you know, get different type of support. But I also find that regardless, if we shift our focus, regardless what the situation is, regardless if there's a diagnosis, that we can definitely feel better for sure. 100% agree. Yeah. I mean, I think that when you kind of 
it's not pushing down your problems like and keeping them locked away but it's just pivoting to something else that will make you feel some joy so that maybe you do feel comfortable coming back in a couple days after you've had that like you know kind of like a reset Mm -hmm. that you do feel comfortable coming back and talking about whatever it is that you're going through absolutely and you haven't just you know buried yourself so deep down and just thought about everything that's wrong that you found some joy in whatever it is well you just kind of hit on a point and i think our, our mind is naturally um naturally programmed to do to focus on the negative as a way of survival and so once we recognize that then we can make the shift so our mind is naturally focuses on the negative as a way of survival so we ruminate over and over on all the things that are not going right well that's definitely going to put us in a state of stress and anxiety and what i've learned and i wish i learned this so much earlier in life is gratitude And because we can't be in gratitude and negative at the same time. And I've learned that gratitude, as corny as it sounds, is really, it's like, it's a, it's like a magic, I don't want to say pill, but it's like, it's magical. And recently I fell off the gratitude wagon and I was focusing on everything that was going wrong. And let me tell you, like I went and I dipped into that, you know, place of just anxiety. And the minute I was like, oh shit, I've lost my way. I got back to my gratitude practice and I, I'm not joking. Like you can ask Mike and Raymond and Rami, like I was feeling better right away. (laughs) And, and, um, you know, I know it sounds so simplistic, but I feel like gratitude is, is really helpful because it helps us focus on what's going right instead of what's going wrong. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more with that. One thing that has really come front and center to me is, and it's exactly what you just said is turning every negative into positive situation, you know, especially with this pandemic, like within the first week, I was kind of like feeling sorry for myself and which was valid, you know, because life just stopped. I mean, we were all on lockdown, but I, I remember sitting there one day, I was like, all right, this pandemic is either going to beat me or I'm going to beat it. So I can go let it attack me, not literally, but it was going to affect me emotionally and the stuff I did, or I'm going to go attack it and live my best life, which is what I believe that me personally, I'm doing right now. So I think that's a lot what you're talking about. Like with anything in life, the pandemic, any adversity that you face, you can let it hit you and you can stay down there and hold your problems in, or you can be proactive and get out and do the stuff that you love and talk about what you're going through. 100%. And you just said, you know, hit on a word being proactive instead of reactive. And you set, you know, setting the tone for the day. And for sure, we have, we have to feel those feelings. Like we cannot just sweep our anger, frustration, fear, um, the, you know, sadness, we cannot sweep it under the rug because that'll just, that'll build in our body. Then that creates sickness. And then we'll even feel more anxious. Um, so yeah, during the pandemic, for sure. Like I definitely also like, you, you know, you felt, I felt a sense of grief because our life was pulled right out from under us. And then same thing like you, I was like, you know what? Like, I never forget Rocky Balboa, you know, that the eye of the tiger, you know, I let myself, you know, feel sorry, you know, for, for our, you know, for us for a little bit. And I'm like, okay, what's the lesson here? I'm not going down. And that's when, you know, same thing. I got up and I pivoted and I started focusing on my coaching business and was able to start this podcast. And I see the lesson in it. There's so many lessons. 
I what agree. would you say is one of your lessons from the pandemic over the last year? Um, from the pandemic, I mean, I didn't, I personally don't think I learned any new lessons. It was more just a focus on the lessons that have already been brought to my attention through the adversity that I faced in my life. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, kind of what I talked about already was turning every negative experience and every adverse thing that I happened to me into a positive mm-hmm. and really just enjoying the process of not only football, but like of life. Mm-hmm. And really, I mean, everybody says like, be where your feet are. You know, you don't want to think about what happened yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow. You just want to be so present in the moment that you're, you're so lost in the moment that you're just enjoying everything that happens, whether it's bad or good. Cause you know that every negative thing that happens to you is going to only going to make you stronger as long as you respond to it in the <laughs> right way. Exactly. So The Power of Now, that was a book written by Eckhart Tully. I think that's how you say his name. And I was like in my 30s and I still couldn't get it. You know, I was like the power of now, like, what are you talking about? This is so I, It was over my head even at, at that time, you know, so you're way ahead of your time. And it wasn't until recently, maybe the last five years where I finally understood like, oh, yeah, the present moment. That's why they call it the present because we were conditioned to always look to the future. You know, what are the goals? What are we going to do? Then ruminate over the past that we completely miss what's in front of us and we lose all of our joy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think one thing to say is it's good to set like short-term goals and long-term goals, but you don't always want to be thinking about, oh my goodness, like what if this happens and it affects that, you know, because if you're constantly thinking about that, then you're never going to be worried about what you're doing now to achieve that goal. Cause yeah. ultimately you can't, you can't control what happens five minutes from now. You can only do what you can now. Right. If you're constantly worried about five minutes from now or five days or five weeks, you're never going to, achieve your goal because you're always going to be worried about what what's happening in the future or what happened in the past because ultimately to achieve your short-term and long-term goals you need to do what you need to do now yes i agree and it's about taking action yep and you talked about you know earlier like doing what you enjoy your passion and so it's taking inspired action taking action for the things that you enjoy and little steps each way to to hit your goals because i totally believe in goals Um, And in the past, when I set my goals, I'd be so hard on myself. And now when I set my goals, I'm more gentle and I take, you know, the action that makes me feel good. And I notice when I'm feeling better, I accomplish so much more. Yeah, I think when you take stress off of yourself, I mean, it's good to put pressure on yourself because sometimes that can motivate you like, okay, I got to hit the gym. I got to read this or whatever. But I also think like, take a deep breath, relax and think about, okay, put it all in perspective. Like, is this really healthy for me all the time? Probably Mm -hmm. not. Like if you do the stuff that you enjoy, you're probably going to be a lot more accomplished in the day and Mm -hmm. ultimately reach the goal that you want. And I mean, of course we still have to do those things that, you know, we don't enjoy to, to get there, but finding joy in those things. Um, I I read that in a few different books, like, okay, there are going to be some things throughout the day that you're going to do that, like you don't want to, but, you know, what's the joy in that? 
Like, for example, I don't like going to Costco, <laughs> you know, but I'm so grateful that, you know, I have the means to go in there and, and do my shopping. I'm grateful that I'm shopping for a family that's healthy, you know, and whole at home. And so that's how I turn the things I don't like into, okay, like this, this is, I'm grateful for this. I know, I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> so you've been going to different high schools. And I mean, I know during the pandemic that wasn't possible, but tell me what it's like to, you know, be in front of the students, your peers, and to talk to them about a subject that doesn't really get talked about. Um, honestly, it's some of the greatest experiences that I've ever had, just going to so many different high schools and speaking in front of these kids and seeing like you can feel like the energy in the room when you're speaking but also you can like people come up to me and say like all sorts of stuff that I would have never heard if I was doing this and that's not to pump myself up but it's just to pump everybody else up you know what I mean because I think me doing that has given me all sorts of different like angles and perspective on like what my work is doing for these people whether they're in San Mateo or Menlo or in the city. So it's definitely been like some great experiences speaking in front of these crowds and seeing the reaction of the people. Mm -hmm. I bet that feels amazing. Definitely, definitely. So can you share with us maybe a story from some, you know, from a peer or, you know, that someone reached out to you and say, hey, I heard you speak and this is how I felt or this is what happened. Yeah, so I was speaking at a local high school, Menlo School, and it was right before um, their basketball game. And, you know, they, it's kind of, it's, it was kind of intimidating, honestly, because in their gym, it's not double side bleachers, it's all one side. So the one side is, it's pretty, it's pretty tall. And I was on the floor. So I was like looking up at all these kids. And, you know, I'm still like 17 years old. So I'm like, holy cow, this is a lot of people, but I'm just go do it. So I ended up speaking and, and doing a, my speech. And after um, there was a couple of kids that came up to me and they were like, hey, like, thank you so much for speaking to, to, to school today. Just for us personally, you know, we like we know a lot about you. And when we're at school, we feel kind of low down on the pole, meaning like they didn't feel like they belong there and they didn't feel purpose there and they told me that like when I spoke it kind of gave them purpose knowing that they know who I was and like the stuff that I accomplished and that even I went through struggles so mm -hmm. they felt like normal to feel like that and yes. they kind of started talking to me about what they were going through and stuff like that and that was just one of the many special like moments that touched me where it was cool to see like direct feedback from the crowd Mm -hmm. how does that make you feel when you know like you're creating such an impact yeah I mean it makes it, it, it's like it's one of the greatest things that you could you could ever feel I mean it's kind of like I also do private quarterback coaching um as well for kids and I like to kind of relate it to that right because I've been given so much by all these coaches that have coached me to make me the player that I am, that it feels so good, like giving back to these kids and just watching them grow. And it's kind of the same thing when I speak, right? You know, I was given so much by all the therapists and all my peers and stuff like that, that I'm kind of indirectly like doing my duty and giving back to them, which feels so good. 
not because like it makes me look like a great person, but just because I know that I'm helping other people. And that's, that's, I mean, that's the ultimate goal. Like in life, it's not, it's not for you. Like you're not living for yourself. Yeah. You're supposed to enjoy your life, but you want to like impact others. You know what I mean? And that's my whole mission now. Yes. 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 Boom. At the end of the day, it's about us being our true self and we're our true self. We naturally want to give and create an impact and, and give back. And, and I'm right there with you. I mean, that's my mission. Yes. I want to have a fun and fabulous life and which I, I do and I have fun, but really underneath that is because I want to create an impact and give back. I agree. I'm right there with you. Yes. So tell me who, who was one of the most influential people in your life and why? Um, honestly, I couldn't even like, I couldn't even name out one person because like throughout my whole lifetime, I've developed so many almost like big brother relationships that like every single one of them is so unique and so special to me. But I mean, just in general, like a few of the coaches that I've been coached by, not in football, but also like have coached me in life and show me how to do things the right way, what to do. But also like people outside of football that in the moment I didn't really realize the effect that it would have on me. But now that I'm kind of growing up and kind of becoming a man, I look back and I think, man, like, thank thank you so much that thank God that I was doing that stuff with that person because I didn't realize that it would make me into the man that I am today. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I can't pick out any one relationship that I would have because they're all, they're all so unique. I mean, I think everybody says like, it takes a village to yes. make a man and make a woman. And I definitely believe that you can't just be raised by one person you have to be raised by a village and it's not just your parents. I mean, they are the prime factors sure. for your guardians, but it's also the people that you are with on a day-to-day -day basis, your teachers, everything like that. I totally agree. And it does, it takes a village. And I think one thing that I take so much pride in, and I know that word pride, but I do, I take so much pride in our community and in where we live um, in San Mateo. It is so diverse and we have an incredible community. Like I've never seen anything like it. Like we would just, we just come together not only in times of happiness, but in times where, you know, there are tragedies and, and tragic events. And I've, I've never seen anything like that. And so, yes, we are a village and it's not just one person. There's so many people in our community, within our community and outside our community that, you know, impact not only, you know, our youth, but I feel like us as adults, we also need direction at times too. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, yeah, I think San Mateo is definitely a special community to live in, but it's not only San Mateo. I mean, I think that when you travel to different communities, communities like you start to link people together you know like when I was spending time in Utah like people out there have become a part of my community mm -hmm. even though they're not from San Mateo they're a part mm -hmm. of my community so when you get outside of your literal like living areas I think that you create a sense of like your own group who whoever raised you whether it was all in San Mateo or whether it was out of state anywhere so mm -hmm. so we create our tribe yeah no doubt yeah we, we get to choose 
I mean, I always, I don't think you always get to choose. <laughs> well, when you get my age, baby, you will choose. <laughs> you set those boundaries, and if it's not working out, you close the door. I think as as kid, I think it's kids. It's probably good that we don't get to choose because we'd probably be picking the wrong people. But <laughs> so, so tell me. I mean, you've had so many accomplishments. What do you feel is one of your greatest accomplishments? Um, it's probably nothing specific, but I mean, like we we're just talking about just all the relationships that I formed throughout my whole process of life. I mean, I'm 19 years old and I feel like I know some pretty special people, like some of them famous, some of them not famous at all, but every single one I'm don't take for granted. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just the most special part about the life that I live personally is just being able to have all these relationships. Like those are the people that molded me into who I am. And those are the people that like I love. And that's just one of the coolest parts of the job is just, I mean, talking about diversity, just being able to reach out to so many different types of people. They can be athletes, like business people, or just, you know, like a regular person that just works whatever. I mean, I think that's the, the coolest part about everything that I've done and I've accomplished. It's just the relationships. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm with you because I feel at, not even at the end of the day, regardless, the relationships in our life are the most important. That's what enhances our life. And number one, the relationship with ourself and our, you know, a greater power, whatever that may be to you, God, source, the universe. Because when we're solid with ourselves, that's when we're able to create even, you know, stronger relationships outside of ourselves. Agreed. No doubt. And so... Is there anything that you do like as a ritual to help you stay grounded, you know, and like we talked about, like grounded, resourceful? Um, yeah, I mean, I think um, just being an athlete, I think getting into like a routine every, every day, almost every day is something that's really healthy for you. Mm -hmm. I know that like routines can seem like very, boring you know I sometimes people like want to spice up their day somehow some way by doing something different mm -hmm. and that's cool every once in a while but I think that getting in a routine and getting like something that you do every day that's going to spark you like for me I wake up and I listen to like I have like a song of the month and that song is like I wake up and I listen to it and that's like what sparks me to go every day uh, I think it's little routines like that I love that that, that like that, that keep people on track, you know, because oftentimes when you don't have a routine, you're just doing whatever, like, it's not consistent, you kind of you can get lost in the wrong way. And you don't like you don't even know why you're doing what you're doing, you're just doing it. Right. I think speaking from an athlete's perspective, like going to lift and then having class and meetings and then practice like just that being consistent every single day is what makes like athletes so great and just off of like not you don't even have to be an athlete but just waking up if you work like a, a regular job waking up having breakfast going to work coming home going to the gym whatever like something consistent that keeps you on track and ultimately what you want to achieve 100 percent. and something that i really believe in and i practice is a morning routine and whatever that may be and i love the music thing i've created you know my own playlist same thing in the morning yeah. i put it on it makes me feel good 
and that commitment and consistency, because then, like you said, you're going to drive the day, you, you know, you're going to be proactive instead of the day driving you. And there's many articles written about some of the most successful people. And what they do is they have a morning routine, whatever that may be, it could be five minutes, it could be an hour, but whatever that is, is just to have you know, be committed and consistent to a morning routine. And that could be whatever you want it to be. And it sounds, I love how, you know, you pick a song. What's your song for the month this month? Oh, uh, my song for this month is called It's a Great Day to Be Alive. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, it's, it's a little country song on my playlist, but yeah, I listen to it every morning. It's kind of, I mean, I like to pick songs that like fit my mood or fit my goal. And I just, you know, every day, it's a great day to be alive. Like, what am I going to accomplish today? Yes. yes. I, I love that. I love that. That, yeah. bam. So yeah. is there anything you'd like to, you know, just one piece of advice that you could leave with our audience before we head out? Um, I mean, I think I feel, I feel like I, <laughs> I feel like I touched on, on a lot of different things today and a lot of um, different processes and stuff that you can do but one thing that I think I'll say again is you know find your passion and if that's sports if that's music if that's your job whatever it is you want to find like what think about your why and I think a lot of people talk about their why well what does that really mean like that really means like why do you do what you do and that sounds so simple but when you really break it down there's a lot of people that probably have no clue like why they do what they do. Yeah. And I think when you find out why you're doing your job, you're playing your music, you're working wherever, it makes it makes stuff that much easier to do because it's like, okay, like I'm doing this for my mom or I'm going to do this because I have to support my kids and their dreams. And I think that when you wake up and go through your morning routine, whatever, and you know why you're going to do what you do, it's like, okay, this isn't so drag. It's not dragging me on. Like, this isn't so long. Like I feel good about going to do what I'm going to do. So that's one thing, one piece of, of advice that I would leave is find your why and find your passion. hundred percent. And like, it's so simple. It's, it's such a simple concept, but at the same time, like it's so hard to define. It may take you days, weeks to find why. And, but I think once you do, it makes your passion that much easier. Yes. And that's what will motivate you to get up and go. Exactly. 100%. Oh my God. I'm so incredibly proud of you, young man. At Thank the age you. of 19, I was a lost, lost soul. <laughs> and you at the age of 19, you are very wise. And I am so excited to continue to follow your journey and see where you take it. And um, you've just been, it's been incredible to have you on. It's been incredible to watch you grow into a young man. I look forward to continuing to follow you. Well, thank you for having me on. And I'm looking forward to impacting more people and talking to more people like you. But it was great to talk to you today. And we haven't talked in a while, so it's good to catch up. <laughs> yes, and so let our audience know where they can find you. Yeah, so, I mean, me personally, I'm on LinkedIn. Just look up my name. Um, I'm on all social media, also my name, no spaces. Um, my nonprofit foundation is on all social media at play the number four prevention. And then our website is play the number four p.org. 
www.playforp.org. And yeah, I mean, if you want to get involved with our nonprofit or if you simply just want to reach out and talk to me, get to know me, I'm on all those social media platforms. Also, um, hopefully this fall coming up on Saturdays, come and watch me at CSM and me and the Bulldogs go at it. So, yeah. I will definitely be there. And also all of that information will be, um, excuse me, at the end of the podcast for you to be able to reach out to Luke. So sweet. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for being here with us today. We really appreciate you. And until next time, make it a great day. Take care. Hey, love. Thank you so much for listening today. I am so grateful for you. I'd like to show you my appreciation by gifting you a free forgiveness self-hypnosis audio download. Part of living the fun and fabulous life is practicing forgiveness. Forgiveness can be such a long and challenging process. My intention is that this forgiveness audio will help you in practicing forgiveness, especially with yourself. Grab it by visiting daretoachieve.com backslash forgiveness. For more inspiring tips, make sure to connect with me on social media. Drop me a line on Facebook or Instagram at Grace Redmond Dare to Achieve. Until next time, keep moving forward towards living your fabulous life. Hey, love. Thank you so much for listening today. I am so grateful for you. I'd like to show you my appreciation by gifting you a free forgiveness self-hypnosis audio download. Part of living the fun and fabulous life is practicing forgiveness. Forgiveness can be such a long and challenging process. My intention is that this forgiveness audio will help you in practicing forgiveness, especially with yourself. Grab it by visiting daretoachieve.com backslash forgiveness. For more inspiring tips, make sure to connect with me on social media. Drop me a line on Facebook or Instagram at Grace Redmond Dare to Achieve. Until next time, keep moving forward towards living your fabulous life.